Hey everybody, welcome to another Baseball America Playoff Podcast. I'm Kyle Glazer, going solo today to break down the first two games of the American League Division Series and looking ahead to today's jam-packed schedule. All four playoff series are going. Capping off the night will be Game 1 of the Giants-Dodgers NLDS, something I know we're all looking forward to. Battle of a 107-win team versus a 106-win team in the first postseason series between the two rivals. I want to dive into what we saw yesterday first and foremost, though. Starting with the White Sox-Astros, Astros came out, jumped on Lancelin early, 6-0 by the fifth inning, and they kind of cruised from there. Just a really, really impressive performance by the Astros' offense. They had had Lynn's number most of the year, and back in the postseason once again, they did what they tend to do, which is win. But I want to focus on Lance McCullers. I think the lasting image a lot of people have of Lance McCullers is him throwing 24 straight curveballs to close out Game 7 of the 2017 ALCS and get the Astros into the World Series. And watching Lance McCullers yesterday, it was really, really interesting just watching him really use that two-seamer and that slider. Again, he was not, he did use the curveball, but overwhelmingly it was uh, that two-seamer and that slider. That's what did the most damage, uh, really just shut down the White Sox offense. And this leads into a larger point where I think because in part he got hurt, Lance McCullers has kind of fallen under the radar a little bit. And because it seems so long ago that he had that amazing ALCS performance, was named co-MVP, it's kind of fallen under the radar how good he's been since he's come back from Tommy John surgery. Uh, just speaking about yesterday, six and two-thirds, four hits allowed, all singles, no runs, no walks, which is a biggie for him, four strikeouts against a really, really dangerous White Sox offense that has a lot of guys who can do damage. And if you look back at what Lance McCullers has done since he returned, he made 39 starts, has a 3-3-5 ERA. He's averaged 10 strikeouts per nine. The walks are a little high, but less than seven hits per nine. A lot was talked about with the Astros, what was going to happen after they lost Justin Verlander to Tommy John surgery, after Garrett Cole left as a free agent after the 2019 season. And one of the biggest things that has helped extend the Astros' competitive window is how a lot of their homegrown pitchers have really, really stepped up. That was seen as the weakness of this organization. They were going to have the bats for a long time, but were they going to be able to replace those arms? And Lance McCullers has kind of been at the forefront of that. He's come up and been that front-of-the-rotation type starter the Astros need. The kind of guy you give the ball to in game one of a playoff series against a really, really good offense and shut him down. And that leads into also just some of the other arms. We're going to see Framber Valdez go game two today. You know, you look at it, Luis Garcia, who's going to get Rookie of the Year votes. He's not going to win, but he's probably going to finish second or third. Framber Valdez, Jose Urquidy, Christian Javier, all these guys were... Prospects. They ranked in the Astros top 30, but none of them for a long time are really top 10 guys. They kind of move their way up. And I do think that's one thing that you need to give the Astros a lot of credit for. Again, they were seen as an organization that if they got guys who were in the major leagues, they could work on some things to really enhance their arsenals famously. Again, having Garrett Cole ditch his two-seamer go with the four-seamer. But developing homegrown pitching was not their strength for a long time. Dallas Keuchel and Lance McCullers were really their only successes. And that's really changed. Again, McCullers, you know, blossoming into the guy he's become, especially post-surgery, seeing Garcia, Valdez, Javier, Urquidy, it's made a huge difference and really changed the outlook for this Astros franchise, how long they can keep it going. They've made four consecutive ALCSs, and 
they keep performing like they did yesterday, offensively, defensively, pitching. It's going to be a fifth very, very soon. So game two is tonight. The White Sox obviously really, really, really don't want to go back to Chicago down 2-0 in a best-of-five series. We'll see if they're able to have more success. Framber Valdez, again, is throwing for the Astros. Lucas Giolito is throwing for the White Sox. Should be a good game that we're certainly looking forward to. And then moving over to Red Sox-Rays, again, another game where the home team jumped out early and stayed ahead. The Red Sox did have a chance late, but J.P. Fireisen extinguished the rally there, getting Rafael Devers swinging on a strikeout and getting Hunter Renfro to pop out. But obviously the story is about the Rays and Randy Rosarena discontinuing his October magic, the first straight steal of home in the playoffs since Jackie Robinson, 1955 World Series. Just another chapter in his incredible October legacy the probable American League Rookie of the Year. And that leads us into the Rays and just how good this rookie class is they have. Shane McClanahan, game one starter, rookie, went out five innings, was remarkably efficient, got a lot of early swings, a lot of ground outs, struck out the side in the first inning working around a hit, but after that didn't strike out a batter the rest of the game. Again, just went out. Red Sox hitters got him swinging early, seven ground outs, one fly out. Just a really, really impressive and, and mature performance from the rookie there. Randy Rosarena, we talked about, home run, straight steal of home. Wander Franco getting the race started with an RBI double early. And then they've got another rookie going in game two tonight, Shane Boz. And one of the things with the Rays that has really allowed them to become this behemoth they've become their player development really has become, in a lot of ways, one of the models in baseball. Uh, for a long time, it was the Dodgers and Cardinals. Those were the two player development groups that really consistently made guys better than a lot of people expected or got the most from their guys who were highly touted prospects. And we've seen the Rays, in a lot of ways, kind of join them in the top level of player development. Talking to a couple people around the game and just especially seeing it up close and personal at AAA Durham over the last few years, one of the things that's defined the Rays is they make sure that their guys are 100% undoubtedly ready for the next level before they move them up. And look, sometimes that means guys stay down a little longer than some people would like, but it also means they're fully prepared for the next level when they get there, whether that's moving a guy from high to double-A or triple-A to the majors. And in an era where we see teams rushing so, so, so many players, and again, there are certainly the exceptions like the Fernando Tatis Juniors, like the Juan Sotos, guys who jump straight from double-A after not a lot of time in the minor leagues and really just take over right away. But those guys are the rare exceptions. For the vast majority of players, there's a lot of struggles, a lot of adjustments that have to be made, and, and sometimes it's a year or two before they really click. And the Rays, again, do a really good job of making sure that when guys are up in the majors, it's because they're ready to be up in the majors and ready to be successful in the major leagues, because this is a team that is trying to win games. They're not a team that's just about getting development in the majors, and if they take their losses, so be it. They want guys to be ready to help them win. And that's what championship organizations do. And I think the Rays have done a really, really good job. We're seeing the rookie impacts. We're seeing how many of their younger players have come up in recent years. Again, it's easy to forget Brandon Lau was a prospect not that long ago when they acquired Austin Meadows. He had major league experience, but when they acquired him, he was back in AAA because he'd struggled a little bit. There's just been a lot that the Rays have done over the last two, three, four years in the minor leagues that has helped really set the stage for this current success. A lot of focus has been paid to what they do analytically, and there's no question that's a very, very, very important piece of the puzzle for them. But they also have one of the largest pro scouting staffs in baseball. They have a pro scouting staff that is expansive, that is experienced, and one of the best in the game. 
18 of the 26 players in the wildcard roster were acquired, and a lot of that was with a heavy, heavy, heavy influence of oftentimes multiple pro scouts getting looks at guys, sitting in the stands, going to games, doing things that certain teams are starting to eschew a little bit. And then another big piece of the puzzle is at a time when a lot of teams have kind of dropped advanced scouting or questioned its value, the Rays had a, a pretty large contingent of advanced scouts at the Yankees-Red Sox playoff game. And they obviously did a great, great job with their advanced scouting, noticing that Josh Taylor ignores the runner at third base a lot of times, very, very slow to the plate. And that's what allowed Randy Rosarena to have in the back of his mind, look for a tell and go and create one of the most exciting playoff moments in recent history. So I think, again, when you talk about the Rays and their success, a lot of times people say things that, frankly, are incorrect, like, oh, the manager and coach are just front office puppets, which is not true. They do a really, really good job in player development. They do a really, really good job advanced scouting. They do a really, really good job pro scouting. They do a lot of old school well as well as new school, and that's really the formula for success. I've talked about it. Others have talked about it. You watch their pregame preparation, especially for the guys in the minor leagues, You know, making sure that, yes, it's not just, hey, let's give these guys data. It's let's put them in game situations on the field and practice them relentlessly, defense, base running, all the little things, so that when they get to the majors, they don't make the kind of small mistakes that end up becoming big, as we see so many other teams do, especially with their younger guys. This is just a really complete organization. That's why they are as good as they've been in recent years. That's why you see this really, really excellent rookie class. That's why you're starting to see some of their more homegrown guys or guys they acquired in the minor leagues really start to flourish in addition to the fact that they've acquired a lot of guys in trades, found some platoon matchups and situations that work well. So we'll see what happens. Obviously, game two of this series is today as well. Chris Sale going for the Red Sox versus Shane Balls for the Rays. Uh, old versus young should be a great matchup. And then, of course, we've got the two National League Division Series starting today as well. Braves Brewers, Charlie Morton's going against Corbin Burns. Burns, obviously, one of the favorites for the National League Cy Young Award this year. Charlie Morton, the old veteran who uh, has a really, really, really good playoff track record. It's going to be a great game. And the main event tonight, Dodgers-Giants, 937 Eastern, 637 Pacific. Walker Buehler going for the Dodgers. I think people have noticed it, but he has been one of the most dominant postseason pitchers, most dominant big game pitchers really since he debuted. Going against Logan Webb, who is one of the breakout stars for the Giants this year, we talk about young homegrown pitchers stepping up for the Astros. He's done that for the Giants. I remember seeing him for the very first time at the California League All-Star Game in Lancaster in 2018. At the time, I uh, didn't know much about him. He had Tommy John surgery, had just come back, uh, was limited to three and four inning starts later that year, but Saw him in that all-star game, and it was really clear. He had a power fastball with some late movement in the zone. Flashed a, a promising changeup that he's obviously developed into a pretty good pitch for him this year. Used a lot more. Really was a guy It's like, okay, there's something here. And just seeing how the Giants have developed him, helped him continue to get better year after year. He had some struggles, no question about it. He also had a suspension after failing a drug test. So there have certainly been some rocky moments, but on the whole, uh, for him to be where he's at, you give him a lot of credit. And again, the Giants, we've talked about, they have some really, really good veteran hitters that they developed long ago. They've made some really, really smart, low-cost acquisitions. On the offensive side, you look at Mikey Stremski, you look at Donovan Solano, you look at Alex Dickerson, you look at Darren Ruff. It was just going to be a matter of, could this pitching staff stay healthy? A lot of guys had a lot of injuries, and... One of the guys who helped ensure that 
they were able to kind of keep it going through the whole year was Logan Webb. He missed some time with an injury as well, but when he was on the mound, you know, he still took the ball, made 26 starts, 11 and 3, 303 ERA, more than the strikeout per inning, kept his walks reasonable. I mean, everything was really, really good this year. He really took a jump after posting uh, ARAs over five, both as a rookie in 2019 and in 2020 when he was asked to take on a little bit of a larger role. So it's going to be fun to see. Again, I don't think anyone ever goes against Walker Bueller in a big game, but we also know that picking against the Giants is foolish. They're going to be home. Oracle Park is going to be rocking. That's a great, great atmosphere when the Giants are good, and very, very clearly they're very, very good this year. So it should be fun. We've got a full slate of games today, and I know we're all looking forward to it. Keep it here at Baseball America for all the latest coverage. Uh, We'll be back on Monday with more podcasts to break down everything that's happened. Theory, the American League Division Series could be over by then. The NLDSs will be going into Game 3 at that point. JJ Cooper will be back, and we'll have all the latest for you here at BA. And stay tuned. We've got some playoff coverage coming up, including a breakdown of which teams have the most homegrown rosters. I've got a story about the Giants I've been working on for a little bit, and uh, I'm going to try and get out here before Game 1 of the Division Series. And should be a lot of fun. Thank you for listening, and go ahead and give us a review on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, whatever platform you're listening on. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Kyle Glazer. Enjoy the playoff action tonight, everybody.